Secure Financial Advisors, a registered investment advisor. This show does not intend to provide personalized investment advice through this broadcast and does not represent that the securities or services discussed are suitable for any investor. Investors are advised not to rely on any information contained in the broadcast in the process of making a full informed investment decision. This is your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Now, here's Joe Anderson and Big Al Clopine. Hey, welcome back to the show. Show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner with Big Al Clopine. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in today. It's already the middle of August. What is it? The 14th? 13th? 13th. Uh, yes. yes. 13th. What the heck is going on here? <laughs> hey, a um, bunch of emails, Alan. Okay, we've got, tr- got some rif- questions. Try to rifle through some of this stuff. Okay. Why not... Um, we get these email questions each and every um, in each week from Advisor Insights. It's Investopedia. So if you've ever, you know, you know Wikipedia. Sure. Right? You, you ever go there? Yeah, Wikipedia. You, you sound like you said Wicked. Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Wicca. What? Is it, Wikipedia. Huh? What the heck? What, what is it called? No, you, you, it just sounded like you said the word Wicked. <laughs> it's a Wikipedia. No, it's a Wikipedia. 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 Yes. Okay. This is ridiculous. Investopedia. Vestopedia. It's a weird word. Just, we'll just keep it at oh that. God. Hey, full disclosure, I did get something from Investopedia. <laughs> <laughs> I got some you socks. Did? You yeah. did? Yes, I'm wearing them right now. Look at those. Investopedia still socks? No, they sent me some socks because I'm answering all these questions. Really? Yeah, so I'm maybe, I guess I'm getting compensated <laughs> by a pair of socks. You better disclose that. I, I am, full disclosure. <laughs> the, the CEO of Investopedia sent me sent a me pair of socks. socks. Are they good socks? I'm wearing them. Look at them. Oh, they're colorful. Yeah, Jeez. very colorful. I, wish I had one like that. Yeah, well, hey, we'll maybe answer some questions correctly. <laughs> okay. All right, let's start this thing. This, we just wasted a minute and a half on talking socks, w- nonsense. socks and nonsense. Okay. This, our listeners demand better from us. <laughs> Sometimes they they say they like this part, but they I, hate I, it. I, I think they're just being nice <laughs> to us. Like, this show's awful. I'm trying it, it to was, learn something. It was pretty good until you start talking about socks. Socks, yes. All right. Okay. Well, here you go, Al. I got a question for you. Okay. All right. I'm paying off a loan uh, for CDL. That's a commercial driver's license school. All right. Okay. Uh, <laughs> And wondering. Thanks for explaining. Yes. Well, did you know what CDL meant? No. No. Well, it's a commercial driver's license school. And wondering if it is tax deductible. Does it matter if I no longer work in the trucking industry? So he goes on to say, I'm fairly inexperienced in the area of tax deductions. I understand that interest on loans is the only part that is deductible, right? So if my interest on the CDL school loan is $14, then only $14 is deductible, multiplied by how many payments I made in that year. Does that sound about right? Okay, that is the interest part. Uh, It is not deductible. The answer is no. Because that's considered personal interest. Anything for education or vacations or that sort of thing is considered personal interest. And actually, Joe, about 25 years ago, personal interest has been disallowed as a deduction. So what you can deduct is your home mortgage interest. Okay, you can deduct the interest on your rental properties. If you have a business and you borrow money, you can deduct and you use the money for the business. You can deduct it against the business. If you borrow money to buy stocks and bonds, that's investment interest. So you can deduct that, but everything else is non-deductible. Sorry. 
heartbreaking. Even CDL owns. <laughs> That's at 14 bucks. <laughs> you might see, I don't know, six cents. Six bucks. Uh, uh, you're not going to be able to buy that burrito this week. That because yep, lunch is uh, no longer. get the deduction. All right. I got another one for you here. Okay. Okay. After a divorce, can assets be distributed into an account that is not in my ex-spouse's name? That's the title of the email. Okay. So here's the email. My right. ex-spouse wants me to transfer her the marital portion of her asset distribution from my brokerage and mutual fund accounts. Okay. She also wants the restricted stock options in an account that is not in her name and does not belong to her. The property settlement agreement is silent on how the assets are to be transferred. Is this okay. permissible? And what are the tax consequences if I do transfer the assets into an account that is not in my ex-spouse's name? Okay. Well, typically in a divorce, uh, th these kinds of matters well, are... Just FYI, we are not attorneys. True. We do not take this as advice. <laughs> Um, in fact, when, then, when you're done hearing my answer, then go please consult go, go to an, Wikipedia and look it up. <laughs> please consult an attorney before you act on any of the information here um, heard in the next uh, minute Jeez. and a half. Now that makes me feel bad. You don't really trust what I'm going to say. <laughs> well, all right. So here's uh, when it comes to matters of divorce. Uh, generally, these are considered property settlements. They're not sales per se. So a property settlement just means transfer from one brokerage account to another brokerage account. Right, so there account. would be no taxation on That's right. that. That's right. Unless, well, then the spouse would sell it and then the, the basis would remain. So let's say if I was yeah. married, That's I true. bought a stock for $10. It's not worth $100. We get a divorce. $50 goes, you know, or half goes to her, half goes to me. The basis is 10 So then there would be a capital gain if right. either of us sold so, it because so the basis yeah. remains. Yeah. So in other words, the basis remains the same even though it's transferred. And when that stock is sold, yes, you will pay the tax consequences. So I'm, I'm curious on who's this person that she wants the restricted stock options to go to. Well, that's a whole lot. your boyfriend. That's a <laughs> <laughs> That's the cause of the divorce. Apparently. And and I'll tell you what, I mean, of course, every company is different, but most companies that I know of are not willing to change yeah. the name of restricted I'd stock. I'd be like, no, I'm going to give you the stock, and if you want to give it to your boyfriend, give it to your boyfriend. Yeah, and plus, if it's restricted, most companies wouldn't give a, 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 an ex-spouse restricted stock because now that ex-spouse is going to be an owner of their company. It's It would be highly unusual. So there's some issues there. So... And you want to do the disclaimer again? Everything that Clopine just said, just please, please consult, consult Wikipedia or your attorney. An attorney um, that is uh, legal binding yes. in your state. <laughs> please. All right, here's one. This is a very interesting one. Okay. Can a company have an extremely high gross margin and negative operating margin at the same time? Okay. If so, what does it mean? <laughs> means the management sucks. <laughs> oh, boy. Yes, that's very possible. How could that happen? Well, there's a lot of businesses that have uh, very high margins. So what's a margin? A margin is like, oh, I don't know. So well, you, you made something for a dollar and you sell it for a hundred bucks. Right. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So so it's like a, like a software company, for example. They spent all this money on R&D. But by the time they actually they actually come up with the software. In the old days, they used to print out a disc, you know, a, a, a CD, yeah, right? Yeah, or floppy. Floppy disc in the old days. Yeah. And, and that would cost a dollar, and they'd sell the software for 200 Sure. 
So you got a $199 gross margin. That's a high margin. But if you're spending all this money on research and development for the next product, you could easily have a loss. So it doesn't mean anything. It's very possible. (laughs) The management sucks. (laughs) Good answer. All right. Well, I have to pay capital gains tax on the sale of two different homes. Okay. I inherited two houses with my sisters. We have equal shares. We want to sell both houses, but I have only lived in one of them for 10 years. Well, I have to pay capital gains tax on both. I'm over 55 years old. Wow, that's a loaded question. Well, first of all, if you live in California or a community property state, by the time you inherit the property, you get what's called a step-up in basis, which means whatever the property is worth on the date that uh, your parents or whoever passed away, that becomes your new cost basis, which theoretically means you could turn right around and sell it at the same price and have no gain or loss. So that's that's the probably the best answer. Now, if on a, maybe, on the other hand, it was your, your parents or whoever passed away a while ago so now we got this you live i guess that's what happened because he lived in one of the houses for 10 years and if he lived in the house for 10 years as a primary residence he's lived there two out of the last five yeah right so then he could take 500 or 250 that's right so so going down that path if that's what happened then that's right as long as you live in any residence two years out of five you get a two hundred fifty thousand dollar gain exclusion or if you're married it's a five hundred thousand dollar gain exclusion and by the way we get this question all the time it's uh well, I just got married, so does that count? Well, no, your your spouse has to own the property for two years along with you and live in the property for two years along with you to get that $250,000 exclusion. So that would be on that property. On the other property, let's say you own that one 10 years after you inherited, whatever it, the basis, whatever the value was when you inherited, that's your basis, and whatever you sell it for, the difference there is gain, and yes, you will pay capital gains on that tax. And it makes no difference property. if you're over 55 years old. Correct. Correct. Well, it used to be a once-in-a-lifetime exclusion, but that was probably 30 years ago. Right. (laughs) People still remember that rule. Yes, they do. (laughs) So, all right, a lot of really good questions. We got more. um, Do I get some socks? Yes, I'm gonna. We're, we're gonna see if we can. I'll, I'll send the CEO. I don't socks. know. We got a couple of more to go. Wow. Because I mean, all these different questions. There, there's a lot. I, most people have more questions than they do answers. And so, if if you could imagine, if your retirement game plan. Right, was no longer about a number. And if you had all the answers that filled in all the gaps um, to a rock-solid retirement game plan that covered everything from A to Z, I mean, what kind of confidence do you think that would b- bring you? This is Your Money, Your Wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Hey, welcome back to the show. Well, the show's called Your Money, Your Wealth. My name's Joe Anderson. I'm a certified financial planner. So what we're getting into here is some email questions uh, that is sent to me um, by Investopedia, um, Advisor, <laughs> Advisor Insights. And there's some unique questions, and I think a lot of our listeners, Alan, have these same questions. Well, maybe not all of these questions, but some of them. I'm looking over your shoulder. There's a lot of words on that question. Some of these questions. Uh, well, th- hey, I just print these off and I bring them to the studio. I don't really take a look at them. And you don't try edit them? them? Yeah, edit them. Okay. Well, they're live. It's hot. Yeah. It's just like I'm pulling them off the press right now. Got it. Okay. All right. Here we go. Um, here's another question for you. Can I draw 30000 out of my Roth IRA and put it back within a short amount of time? I am 69 years old, still working. My Roth is more than 10 years old. Is there a limit to prevent me from withdrawing that amount? Oh, that, I like that question. Uh, you can. But you, you can only do it once in a calendar year. 
right? And so there used to be this role with IRAs and Roth IRAs that every single account that you had, you could pull money out, and as long as you put it back into the account within 60 days, then no harm, no foul. But now they made a rule, IRS made a rule, whether it's an IRA or Roth IRA, they don't care. They, they consider it one for purposes of what I'm going to tell you. And that is you can pull money out of this account and you can do whatever you want with it for 60 days. And as long as it gets back into the account, no harm, no foul. Now, that's, that's probably less important for a Roth because if you don't make it, it's not taxable anyway. It's just that you'd like to get the money back in if you can because then you get future tax-free growth. Here's another one. Um, I am a high-income worker, over $250,000 a year. Well, good for you. Yeah, that's great. All right. Congrats. I would like to do a Roth IRA for my wife using the backdoor method. So he wants like to um, do the backdoor method um, with his wife. And would, would, let's see, be the, would, would be the benefits of a Roth IRA going forward. Woodwood or wood? Woodwood. It says what? wood, wood, wood. <laughs> they're, they're, they're not it's, great it's, it's typers. A, it's not what wood, it's what, woodwood. No, woodwood. You know, all right. I don't so, know how to answer that question. So, what, I'll, I'll clarify. What would be the benefits of a Roth IRA going forward? Okay, I like that. All right, I, I, I'm with you now. I'm with you now. So first of all, backdoor Roth. Well, actually, let's do a front door Roth first of all. <laughs> sure, sure. <laughs> so, that's the normal. So you can put $5,500 into <laughs> You never heard front door Roth, did you? <laughs> no, that's the first time I've heard that. So well, there's <laughs> all sorts of doors. So you get... <laughs> Next <laughs> week we're gonna talk about side doors, side doors, barn doors. <laughs> we got the best one's the garage door. Right? The garage door. <laughs> Oh, boy. Oh. So, all right, normal contributions to Roth IRAs is that you could put uh, $5,500 directly into the Roth IRA if you qualify AGI limitations, of course. So what the AGI limitations are, we talked about this earlier in the show, is what, $194,000 the total phase out. So if for you, a married couple. For a married couple, 131, 132. I think it's one, 132,000 AGI, just a gross income. Well, it's actually modified adjusted just a gross income. Look at the bottom <laughs> of the 1040. Yeah, it's gotten really complicated. <laughs> yes. So if you make more than $132,000 single or $194,000 married, you cannot contribute directly into a Roth IRA. So there's a loophole in the law. And what it allows individuals to do, and this is what this individual is asking us, is that, hey, if I put money in, uh, so the, the backdoor Roth means this. I'm putting money into a traditional IRA. I make over that limit. I'm a high-income earner, so I, I cannot take the deduction. So I put money into an individual IRA account. It's an after-tax contribution. I have basis in that account. So let's say I put $5,000 in. It's a, I have an after-tax $5,000 IRA. I can convert that directly to a Roth without any tax consequence. It's a two-step process, so I'm backdooring it in. I'm not going in the front door, the side door, the garage door, or the barn door. So you can, you can backdoor the Roth. Yes, you're sneaking in the back door. So, got it. basically no, what no one, that means. No one knows about it, no including one, the sneak, government. Yes, you're sneaking in the back door there. <laughs> so, Yeah, so there's a caveat, of course, and that is uh, if your spouse has another IRA 
and let's say it's a $100,000 IRA already. And so when you do this backdoor Roth, let's say it's $5,500, right? And so that gets put in, and that's $5,500 that you didn't get a tax deduction. So you have to take that $5,500 into now $105,000, because that's the total amount in all IRAs, which is something a little bit a little bit over 5%. So only 5% in that example of your Roth IRA conversion is going to be tax-free. This works best, obviously, if your spouse does not have any existing IRAs. Correct, correct. Yes? Yes, correct. So then uh, the question is, after five minutes, we, we, missed the, we didn't even answer the question, is what would, what would be the benefits of a Roth IRA going forward? Oh, yeah, that's, that's right. That was the question. <laughs> well, that's the easy be, one. Yes, because it's tax-free. All growth, income. <laughs> Principle is tax-free forever. For you, your spouse, if you pass away, for your kids, for your grandkids, tax-free forever. That's a pretty long time. Yes, so you put in the $5,500 for the wife, um, and then that 5500 grows to, I don't know, ten grand. You pull the $10,000 out, zero tax due. All right, real quick, Al. Okay. All right, my late wife and I bought a home 20 years ago for $450,000. Okay. My wife passed away four years ago to cancer, so for the last three years, I've been filing my taxes as a widow. I'm planning to sell the house for $900,000 now. How much capital gains tax am I supposed to pay? And how much tax exemption can I get? Okay, well, it's going to go back to if you live in a community property state, or we'll assume California right now because that's where we're at, then when your wife passed away four years ago, there's a step up in basis. So that's what the property, let's, so say, if it, let's say it was worth 700000 700000 yep. And so you sell it today for 900000 Well, you're a single taxpayer, but you still get a $250,000 exclusion. So in that example, there is no tax to pay. Now, on the other hand, if the property was worth 500000 and so you got a $400,000 gain, the first two Hundred fifty thousand is exempt. The the extra one hundred fifty thousand you'll pay capital gains taxes, which could be fifteen percent federal. It could be twenty percent federal, and then there's a Medicare surtax at three point eight. And by the way, you got California taxes. So there, I mean, you know, we need a little bit more information on that. Um, but you know, you know, when you take a look at all of this, you have to look at your investments. You have to take a look at your goals. You have to take a look at taxes. And if you put together a solid tax strategy and a tax, I mean, if you understand taxes, right, you can significantly reduce the amount of outlay that's going to the government for that you can keep that for yourself I guess for more retirement income yeah and it's all about creating control having some tax-free income as along with your tax well having capital gain income if you can gain control over your taxes then your money can go that much further in retirement and you can live that lifestyle that you want to all right we gotta take another break show's called your money or wealth now back to your money your wealth on talk radio 760 KFMB. Welcome back to the program. Show's called Your Money or Wealth. Joe Anderson here, certified financial planner with Alan Klopline. He's a CPA. Thanks for tuning in today. Hopefully you're enjoying the show. Get more information about us at purefinancial.com. We're a fee-only registered investment advisor. A couple of other things of note of Pure Financial Advisor, since I'm on the topic, is that we're a fiduciary, right? Yes. 100% of the time. And a couple different things here, too. All the advisors at our firm are certified financial planners. CFP, Board Certified Financial Planner. Anyone that gives advice at our firm has to be a CFP Board Certified Advisor. Um, I would encourage all of you listening to this program, if you do have a financial advisor, make sure that you are working with a certified financial planner. Um, really good website. You can just go to CFP 
uh, .org, right? Certified Financial Planner Board, .org. Probably you could find some good CFPs there. Probably. Yep. NAPFA. Yep. That would give you fee-only registered investment advisors. Then you can kind of take a look and at that. And that's what? N-A-P-F-A. F-A. National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. Yeah, they, NAPFA. They, they only allow fee-only advisors. Correct. Do they have to be certified financial planners? No, no they but, do not. But, but you can look at the list. Sure, and see which ones are. And say, all right, well, here's a fee-only, and then take a look. All right, here's a firm. All the, these individuals are CFPs. Right. Yeah, so if you have a if you have a fee only, which you have to be for NAPFA, Correct. and if you're a certified financial planner, you've got a little bit more assurance that you've got somebody that knows what they're doing. Well, sure, I mean, because with the NAPFA or the fee only, it's like, okay, well, that, that's going to avoid some of the conflicts when it comes to selling products. Sure, yeah. And then if they're a, a, a certified financial planner, then it's like, okay, well, they've been through um, the training that gives them probably a higher level of financial planning competence sure. uh, than someone that doesn't have that certification. That's not always the case. I mean, Al and I, we interview uh, certified financial planners weekly for our firm, and you'd be surprised on um, some of the competency levels out there, even with people with that designation. Sure, yeah, that, you're right. That's not an end-all. I mean, no, that, no, that's right. just kind of a starting point. Right, and so those are the two key things, and so that's what we – and then, uh, of course, or CPA or Chartered Financial Analyst, um, those are also very, very good designations. So uh, we try to pride ourselves to understand and, and um, educate ourselves so we can help our clients long-term or, uh, of course, help you guys on the air um, answering these great questions we get. Here's something for you. Okay. Is a 401k quadro distribution taxed twice? Is the first tax of 20% withheld by plan administrators and second tax withdrawal amount added to annual income? So let me answer this because <laughs> this individual is very confused. A quadro, right? You yeah, know what a quadro is. That's a divorce. Yeah, let's start with that. Qualified what? domestic, yeah, I, I don't something know what it order, for, but it has um, to do when you get divorced. It, it has to do with you're getting it's a qualified income or assets from your spouse. Something order. I don't know what the R stands for. Anyway, it, so. it's usually yeah. I pride myself on education. I'm just blowing myself up. We have no Thirty idea seconds what, later, no, no clue, <laughs> no idea. Anyway, it has to do with divorce, right? So you get a divorce, you get a quadro. You just call it quadro, right? Yeah. So and then um, so then you just split the assets, and that allows that quadro, right, that 401k plan, to go to the spouse without any tax. Yeah, that's the key. Whatever it stands for, I don't care. But what what it does, because otherwise, if you change if you change the name of a 401k, it's a distribution. It's a distribution, right? right. You're, you're taking money out. If you give it to your spouse, it doesn't matter, even though you're married. It's separate right. property. So it's just a special way to transfer property from spouse to ex-spouse, right? Without a tax consequence. Yes. Yeah, so there would be no twenty percent tax withheld. So if, if they're if it withholding was, it was the, a mistake. Yeah, then you screwed up the paperwork. Right, right. Right. Because you took a distribution. Anytime you take a distribution from a 401k plan, they automatically withhold 20%. Even if you try to do a rollover, right? So you we, we see this mistake. It's like, well, I did a rollover, but they, they withheld 20%. Well, you did a rollover, you didn't do a direct rollover. I mean, it's stupid how these rules work, but a direct rollover is is they don't withhold any taxes because then the custodian knows it's going directly to another custodian. It's right. not gonna touch your hands. A rollover is that you could Take that money and spend it. As long as you put the money back in 60 days, you're you're whole. So that's where the 60-day rollover rule is, is that you can borrow the money from yourself for 60 days and put it back. There's no taxes, no penalties due, no matter what your age is. But if you take a district, and so that's why they withhold 20%. So for instance, I select rollover. I have $100,000 in the plan. I would get $80,000. They automatically withhold 20. Maybe I wanted to do the direct rollover. I didn't want them to withhold the money. So I got to come up with the $20,000 or 20% 
had to put it in the IRA within 60 days to make me whole, where I wouldn't have to pay any taxes. Then I would get that $20,000 back as a refund. Yeah, so in other words, the government gets 20000 You can't go to the government and say, I'm just kidding. I'd, I'd right, like I that money back. I made a mistake here with yeah, my paperwork. I, because I got to put $100,000 in a 401k, or I mean an IRA on the rollover. So you want to do it right, unless you happen to have other funds. But still, that's a sloppy way to do it. Right. And so this individual says, well, is the first tax... Is the first tax the 20% withheld? Well, they're just withholding it. So that doesn't necessarily mean it's a tax because if you do it right, they'll give it back to you. Yeah, that's, you know what, Joe, that, and that's a common misconception. And it's not just cases like this. I get this question all the time. Well, our comments, bonuses, when you get a bonus, the tax rate's a lot yeah, higher. Yeah, a lot higher than that bonus. Yeah, so I, I'm, I, I don't want as much. It's like, no, it's. I want to do poor work and not get bonuses <laughs> because I don't want to get that hired bonus it's tax. Awful. It's awful. Here's, here's the truth. I like to be mediocre <laughs> just so I get that just. <laughs> That's, I don't want that higher I bonus wanna, tax. I want to stay under the radar. <laughs> I, I want to be quiet. Yes. I don't want to be noticed. Mediocre is just fine with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So here's the truth, though, is the bonus is taxed at the same exact rate as everything else. Now, it may have more withheld. That doesn't mean it's taxed at a higher rate. If there's more withheld and you're in the same tax rate, you're going to get a bigger refund yes. on April 15th. That's all that means. It's like, man, that bonus tax. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe bonuses. They have they, they charge fifty percent on those. God, Why no. is the government? They, they, they know I'm working. My I told tail I told my employer just give me a raise. I don't want a bonus because it's taxed at fifty percent. No, it doesn't work that way. Get over it. <laughs> so and there's no second tax. It's just one tax, and it's dependent on what you took out of the overall plan, right? So you look at your 1040. Whatever taxable income is is going to determine what your effective rate but is. Interestingly enough, Joe, maybe this is part of the confusion. So to use your example, let's say it's a hundred thousand dollars and you only got eighty thousand because twenty thousand went to the government. You get taxed on a hundred thousand dollars even though you only got eighty. Eighty. That's how this works, right? Right. Because and if I'm in a thirty-five percent tax bracket, I they didn't withhold enough. Right. They only withheld twenty, they so I still got. You know, the, yeah, I got. I got to come up with fifteen thousand. On April 15th, unless I've got other tax deductions. Because they understand, well, what they're doing is they're trying to say, all right, well, here, if I'm going to give you this large chunk of money, the likelihood of you're going to be responsible with it is nil. Yeah, they have learned that. <laughs> so if there's we're no, withholding it. If there's no withholding, there's no money coming into the <laughs> Right, government. then we're going to have to ch- chase after you. Yeah. That's why they do it. It's not a tax. It's just a withholding to make sure that they're with at least withholding a, a minimal amount um, to make sure that they're getting paid. That's yeah, what the and, IRS does. And if you want proof of this, if you have any friends that are independent contractors, and if they happen to be honest with you about their taxes, virtually almost every one of them is probably behind on their taxes, and it's because they're not paying as they go. That's the nice thing about being an employee. You have money withheld, out of sight, out of mind, and then you're not surprised or not surprised near as much on April 15th. I mean, i, I got to tell you, if anyone's retiring here um, within the next five years or ten years, I would say, has basically three significant challenges that are facing you. Um, just getting some of these emails, there's a lack of information and education when it comes to either taxes, your retirement accounts, and basically, truth be known, you probably haven't saved nearly enough as well for retirement, and you don't have enough money to last you the next 25, 30, or even 40 years. So I want you to get serious about saving right now. Number two, you have no retirement game plan. Right now, your plan is nothing more than a bunch of scattered statements, baby. There's no plan or strategy surrounding health care, taxes, Social Security, or how all your investments are going to work together. And if you're truly honest with yourself, you probably have a lot more questions than you do have answers. And finally, 99% of what you thought you knew about retirement is dead. 
It's the equivalent of an 8-track tape player. You need new solutions that are going to stand up to today's challenges, like record low interest rates, increasing longevity, skyrocketing health care, medical expenses, unpredictable and unprecedented stock market volatility. In a country with, what, $18, $19 trillion in debt? Well, we can go on and on, the new election and everything else. Basically, you can no longer rely on a company, uh, company pension plan or the government for your retirement. You're totally on your own. So... Now back to your money, your wealth on Talk Radio 760 KFMB. Welcome back to Your Money, Your Wealth. I'm Al Clopine alongside Joe Anderson, who actually has just stepped out second week in a row. Joe has deserted me. I got the last segment by myself, but that's all right. Joe needs a little bit more downtime. I'm not going to bemoan that. In fact, I love just sitting here talking with you guys. So anyway, to sort of recap some of the show, we talked investments a little bit. We talked about certain ages uh, that are important, like 50 years of age. Well, that's when you can add more to your 401k and your IRA and age 55. Well, that's if you retire at age 55, you retire early and you've got money in a 401k. You can actually start withdrawing that money without penalty. You will pay tax, income tax, federal and state, but there's no penalty. If for some reason you retire at 55 and roll that money into an IRA, you've got to wait until 59 and a half. Now, what about uh, age 62? That's the first age you can collect Social Security, although the full retirement age right now is 66. It will be uh, moving to age 67 uh, for those of you that are born in 1960 or later. Uh, that's your full retirement age, but you can wait as late as age 70 to collect Social Security, and for many of you, that's probably a really good idea because you'll get a lot more benefit doing that. And then here's another age, uh, which is 70 and a half. That's when you have to take your required minimum distribution. And you have to take that first distribution by April 1st of the year following. So if you're turning 70 and a half this year, you have to take your first required minimum distribution by April 1st next year. But be aware, if you do that, you're going to have to take two required minimum distributions next year. So another way that a lot of people do it is they go ahead and take that first distribution in the year they turn 70 and a half to get it out of the way. And then the following year, they just have to take one. So those are a few things to consider. We did answer a bunch of your questions. That was kind of fun. And I think I want to close the show off with uh, talking about financial planning, kind of in general. And we know that uh, a lot of you are behind in your planning. A lot of you have done a great job. But uh, here's a way to kind of do a little self-check I want you to consider. There's, there's really five things that you need to consider when it comes to financial planning. Do a little inventory. And the first one is your spending. What is your desired lifestyle? How much do you want to spend in retirement? And if you really haven't thought about this or have no idea, you can start with what you're currently spending, at least as a, as a benchmark. And some of you may not know what you're currently spending, but here's a quick way to think about it, and that is look at your net pay, or if you're married, net pay of both of you, husband and wife, and uh, that would be a good starting point. Maybe that's what we're spending if, in fact, we're not saving anymore month in, month out. So our net pay is $100,000 and we're not adding to our checking or savings account. Well, maybe that's what you're spending. Now think about retirement. 
Are you going to be able to spend less? And some people can, right? Because you're not traveling to work each and every day. Maybe you're not going out to lunches. Maybe you don't need the, the expensive wardrobe for work, right? But then on the other hand, maybe you're going to want to travel more, or maybe there's more leisure time, or if you love golf or something like that. It turns out golf is not free, believe it or not. So you got to make sure you budget for that kind of thing. A lot of people want to spend more in retirement, but that's the first thing you got to think about. Second thing is, what do you have? What are your assets? What are your investable assets? What do you have to work with to create an income stream? All right, and an, an investable asset would be a retirement account. It would be a non-retirement account, uh, which would be a brokerage account, savings account, something like that outside of retirement. Your retirement accounts could be Roth IRAs or Roth 401ks, could be regular 401ks or regular IRAs. So take a look at what you got. Now, do you need to save more? Well, how do you know? Well, you got to do this little formula. You got to figure out what you want to spend in retirement. Let's just say it's a hundred thousand bucks. We'll go back to that example. All right, and let's say your Social Security and pension is sixty thousand dollars. That would be pretty good. Not all of us have that, but I'm just giving you an example. So in this case, you're short by $40,000. You need $40,000 from your investments to make this work. How much do you need in investments? Well, take that $40,000, and I'm going to give you a factor. Multiply that by 25. 40,000 times 25 equals $1 million. That's your target. You're about ready to retire in two, three years. You got 800000 you're pretty close. Now let's work backwards to figure out how much you need to save per year at a certain rate of return. We can do that mathematically. Now on the other hand, let's say you come up with this calculation, you need a million bucks, you've already got 1.6 million. Congratulations, you can retire right now if you want to. That's up to you. You're financially independent. And financially independent has nothing to do with how much you have in your savings and bank accounts. It, what it is, it, it's the ability to cover your lifestyle with your own means and resources. That's what financial independence is. And for a lot of folks, when they have that, actually working is more fun because they know they don't have to work. Right. So anyway, do that calculation, and if you are behind, then you got to figure out how much more to save, and maybe, just maybe, you got to work a few more years, and that's not the end of the world. Or in many cases, maybe you retire, but you work part time, and you've got some kind of income in retirement. Now, the third thing is the income. We already alluded to that. What kind of fixed income do you have in retirement? Social Security pensions, maybe you got some rental properties, factor that in, and then the fifth thing is the date. When do you want to retire? So here it is. How much do you want to spend? What are your assets? In other words, how much you've currently saved? Do you need to add to a savings goal if you're still working? Uh, what fixed income you have and what date that you want to retire? Those are the things that you need to know, and that can help you big time. If you just kind of consider those five things and do a little mathematics to see where you are, you'll be ahead of probably, I would say, 90, 95% of the folks out there that haven't done that. And once you've done that, now you've got a little framework to start a financial plan with regards to retirement as to what that lifestyle looks like and as to what the um, when you can retire. Do you need to work part-time do you, do you, in retirement? Do you need to work longer? You know, you maybe got a home with a lot of equity. Is it is it worthwhile to consider downsizing or maybe you want to move to a different area that's cheaper? All these things can come into play. And I would say for most people, retirement is you can retire 
as long as you take a look at what you need to do to be successful. And part of this, part of being successful, is saving on taxes. Because what we see is a lot of people have the majority of their assets in retirement accounts. And when you pull those dollars out of the retirement accounts, you need to pay ordinary income taxes, which is very much like your salary. But here's the key, is that a lot of people don't realize they have much control overpaying taxes in retirement, but it's it's really not true. You have more control over how much you pay in taxes in retirement, actually more than any other time in your life. And it's because you get to design your own income stream from your own assets. If you pull money out of the Roth IRA, it's tax-free. If you pull money out of your regular retirement account, it's taxable at ordinary income rates. So maybe you need to devise a strategy to figure out which how much to pull from the Roth, how much to pull from the IRA, uh, regular IRA, maybe the non-qualified account. 